We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. My name is Mike. Here with Sam. Sam, how you doing? Mike, breaking news for the Suns. <laughs> Ten minutes before we hit the record button, the Suns. Uh-huh. I'm good. I'm good. By the way, thank you for asking. The Suns added a two-way player, Udoka yeah. Azubuki. Let's go! What a way yeah. to start off the month of August. Another center. Another center. They have four now. Five. I think they have could, a lot. I think you could say five, depending on. Yeah. What you consider Bol Bol to be. I think Bol Bol is questionable. I think Chemezi Metu is questionable. Um, yeah. But by some accounts, this is the Suns' fifth center. Of course, the two-way spots yeah. don't really count. And, uh, yeah, I think we're kind of just starting off this episode with the signing of Yudoka Azubuki as a little bit of a joke. <laughs> I don't know how much you're expecting him yeah. to really bring. It's a two-way player. To the on-court product. Know. But it was funny. It was just it was funny that this it's literally August happened. now. <laughs> Well, it's about to be August at the very least. So this is the kind of news you get this kind of time of year. But yeah, Yudoka Azubuke, he was he was signed to the Suns today. Agent, by the way, Mark Bartlestein. I think I got to bring that up every time I notice it just because of the, the relation there. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's not a lot to analyze with him. He hasn't played a ton in the NBA. I will say... He shot 81.9% from the field last year. 82% from the field. You can't get better than that. Almost. 72 shots total. 61 61 of those 72 within five feet of the rim. So it kind of gives you an idea of what kind of player he is right there. Doesn't do anything but shoot at the rim, but finishes well at the rim. A big, huge guy. Takes up a lot of space with his body and can can shoot at the rim. That's that's what we're looking at, right? Also a solid... 35% 35% from the free throw line. <laughs> Putting him right in line with is is this the Bismack Biombo replacement? Is Biz signed yet? He's not, right? Yeah, I don't think he is. That, Isn't that interesting. That was yeah. one of the things we mentioned recently, actually. This might have been on the Patreon episode last week, but uh the if if Metu goes into the season as the third string center, 
Um, I think the loss of Biz will be felt more than Suns fans expect. Biz was yeah. awesome. Um, yeah. And so I'm not serious when I say that Azubuki is the Biz replacement because if he's the Biz replacement, that means he's really awesome and is like playing uh, important minutes for this team, which, again, two-way contract we're not expecting. Right. Similar in terms of free throw percentage, though. Similar well, in I terms mean, of... I mean, seven for 20. Yeah. I mean, you know, seven yeah. for 20 total. 51%. Yeah, which is bad. 50, I'm not saying it's 51% bad, but... for his career. Yeah. But hey, it's, it's a young player. Yeah. In theory, he protects the rim. He's long, like the rest of our roster. It's something. And Aiden hasn't played every game in a season yet. So, the, you know, there will be time where uh, there are bigs that miss games. Eubanks could miss games. You know, these guys could potentially not play. So you need you need bodies to play and he's someone who could potentially play. And Listed. The Suns clearly saw something in him, and I'm interested to see what that is. I don't. I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert here on Udoka, li- <laughs> um, li- but I, I'm excited to see him play. Listed at 280 pounds. I'm just yeah, realizing he's huge. that, which is yeah. massive. That is, at, I think that's a solid 25 pounds heavier than DeAndre Ayton, probably. Yeah, that's and crazy. I think would easily be the heaviest on a roster. Yeah, it has to be. Who would be close? I mean, yeah, it, it would probably be... I mean, Aiton would probably be the closest, and Ish Wainwright, I don't know, Ish Wainwright's probably, what, 260 or something? Who in the who in the NBA is even close to that? Joel Embiid is listed at 280 pounds, I'm looking now, yeah. to, to give you there an you idea. Go. <laughs> like, that's, that's the idea of the size that we're talking about here. Well, I'm excited to watch him play. I mean, I didn't have a lot prepared. This, Like you said, it happened 10, 10 minutes before this podcast, but yeah, we'll get to see him play at least a little bit. There's no G League team, so you can't really see him on the G League team. Imagine last year these guys spent a lot, the G League guys, the Suns were very injured last year, but the G League guys spent a lot of time with the team, even though the Suns can send them to other teams, G League teams, to get time to play and get minutes in that league. They spend most of their time with the Suns, and I'm interested to see if that's something that ends up happening this year. Obviously, G League team coming as, as early as next season. Um, any Anything else on that? <laughs> no, five minutes is, is more than enough on that. It was, it was yeah. just funny when the news broke. Um, I do have some stuff I want to talk to you about. We, you know, This time of year, there's not going to be a ton of breaking news or anything, although that was breaking news. Um, there was an article written by Zach Lowe. And so Zach Lowe kind of blesses each team with at least one article each year. And this is a guy who does a ton of work and a ton of research into a team and then sometimes writes more about the more interesting teams. The Suns probably got a few from him last year, for example. And this was, I think, the first time that there seemed to be some level of in-depth analysis by ESPN or any major, major sports news publication, if you will, about the fit between Bradley Beal and the Suns and what the Suns could potentially look like next year. And I thought it was uh, I thought it was really good. And I know you read it too. I'm interested to know what you thought of it. Yeah, first of all, I, I appreciate when Zach Lowe, you know, he's still so much in his element when he writes. He's a jack of all trades at this point in his career. Obviously, he produces a, a ton of video slash TV content for ESPN as well because you kind of have to. Um, but it's nice to get long-form articles about the Suns like this because you just yeah. don't see as many of them anymore, at least not good ones. Um, whereas you can have pundits, dozens of pundits for ESPN or Fox Sports or, or, or maybe radio content as well, um, kind of or, or podcast guys like us, giving instant mm-hmm. reaction uh, to a transaction throughout the summer and, and kind of just firing off hot takes, but really being able to sit down, 
and thoroughly research your topic uh, and put pen to paper, so to speak, uh, I, I think is really valuable when, when you get content like this. So, yeah, for my f initial thing is just that low proving that his absolute baseline for what he can give you during the summer is so much higher than what rest the, the rest of the industry is doing, frankly. I would say there were there were two main topics of this article. Uh, the first being Bradley Beal, and I think it started with Beal. It kind of circled back around to Beal. And the other one was DeAndre Ayton. And I thought that was the right approach to what this team is facing this season. Beal being the biggest storyline as far as the addition and uh, DeAndre Ayton being the biggest storyline as far as like the holdover from the previous team, especially because, as he noted in the article, the only player left with Devin Booker that was on the NBA Finals team for the Phoenix Suns, so a longtime player on the Suns, the second longest tenured player on the Phoenix Suns at this point. And I thought the Beal stuff, it was all very interesting. Let's start with the Beal stuff first. Um, obviously talked about Beal's fit. Talked a lot about Bradley Beal on the ball and a lot about Bradley Beal off the ball. But the thing I think that stuck out to me, and this is something I wanted to bring up to you, uh, because I'm curious about it. You know, there's a lot of good things about having Kevin Young still with the Suns from last year, understanding what worked well last year, understanding Devin Booker, you know, there for the beginning of Kevin Durant, obviously this, but more than anything else, this is a pretty brand new team. And what I'm curious about, because Zach Lowe talked about using Bradley Beal as a screener mm -hmm. and Bradley Beal will be the smallest player on the Suns, um, most likely, in the starting lineup and in most of the lineups that he's in. And the thing about using guards as screeners is that I've been begging for that, if you could, and so have you, for a long time for this team, well, and we've seen using smaller guys as screeners. But we see it But sometimes. they don't do it very much. They didn't do it last year very much. They did it slightly more during the playoffs, mostly because there were times where players like Nikola Jokic were hidden on guards, like if you can call him a guard, um, a Kogi. A Kogi, sure. And then they would bring a Kogi up to screen because Jokic was involved in there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when Zach Lowe is talking about this, he's talking about the smallest defender being hidden on Bradley Beal. You know, we talked about using Landry Shamit as a screener. Barely ever happened. It, it happens. It happened a few times. It, it happens sometimes. Very, very, very rarely as far as on-ball screens when it comes to those I'd be, guys. I'd be curious just, just to say, because the stat here specifically that Lowe is pointing out, he said that Beal set seven, seven ball screens per 100 possessions for the Wizards last year. He said that was by far career high. Um, I would be itching to get my hands on that synergy data. Uh, this is my yearly begging for synergy access section of the pod. <laughs> Um, to know what uh, certain guys on the Suns average there. Yes, I think Shamit obviously would be much less than that, but we saw it with Shamit a little bit. We saw it between Chris Paul and Devin Booker uh, sometimes. Maybe not as much Mostly as you would have wanted. Mostly in double drag, I would say. Double drag, pistol you know, ra actions. Rarely, rarely with was, anything else, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe it wasn't the most inventive stuff. I don't know, but but we saw it. Do you think they'll use him more? Because I think it's an interesting thing to point out, and because I, I actually agree, and it's something like I said we've been talking about for a while. Seven per hundred is 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 you you would probably hear that and think that's not very much, but it's kind of a lot for a guard because it's it's specifically on ball screens, so essentially just running up and screening for the ball handler. 
And the thing about the Suns is they have a seven-foot ball handler in Kevin Durant. So when you use smaller guys to screen for him, you put them in a really interesting predicament. Do they switch? If they switch, now you're all of a sudden you're putting a huge defender on Beal and a tiny one on KD. Do they blitz? Well, sure, they can blitz, but KD is big enough to get the pass over the defenders to Bradley Beal, who now can play, as noted by Zach Lowe, in a sort of Draymond Green-esque situation where he's the playmaker in the middle of the floor with nobody around him. Um, and he's obviously a player who can get to the rim as quickly as possible. It, I, and I just hope they use him more. This is something that I think we've been asking for for a while, and for I sure. really hope it's something we see. Yeah, it was a fantastic point from Lowe, and, and just, you know, I fully agree in the sense that I think they should lean into it even more heavily. I'd like to see more than seven ball screens per hundred. I'd like to see, by the way, not just Bradley Beal doing this, but one massive advantage of signing a guy like Eric Gordon is that he's more than capable of doing it as well. He's got a sturdy body. He can set screens um, or he can go screens and and pop out to the three-point line and launch um, and will provide the same exact benefit if he's screening for Kevin Durant. Now the the smallest defender is going to be on Kevin Durant. So it all just kind of, it comes down to this idea of like, Basically, what Lowe was saying about if Bradley Beal is going to be the point guard or if Devin Booker is going to be the point guard, the Suns don't have a transcendent playmaker on this team. They have guys who, yes, they can run traditional high screen pick and roll. They can see the floor well from the middle of the court, um, but they're not they're they're not the best of the best when it comes to playmaking. So they need to get a little bit more inventive in terms of how they use their offense this year, and that will involve more screening, more off ball screening actions. Um, and, and kind of anything that can create these mismatches early in the shot clock for a guy like Kevin Durant, a finisher, or, or Devin Booker, or whatever, um, to go out and attack and be aggressive. But absolutely, they, they should lean heavily into this stuff. I want to see it all the time. I, I do too. And I, I think the thing about having three guys in Booker, KD, and Beal is, of course, there's only one ball. People will bring that up to you incessantly if they know you're a Suns fan. But you have to find ways to involve more than one of them in these actions, and that often means one of them has to become a screener. And so if, if Booker or KD are on the ball, one of the other two probably shouldn't be involved should be involved in the action somehow, especially moving, um, not necessarily just standing still behind the three-point line. And that means likely that they end up screening. It also means, as I mentioned in a previous podcast, that DeAndre Ayton will likely be relegated to the dunker spot more often uh, if he's not specifically the screener obviously they can run double screen actions or some actions where he sets pin downs or screens for other guys off the ball but I think often he's going to be in a role where it's slightly different you know in that dunker spot and I think as Suns fans we have to get used to that and I really hope he embraces it um Zach Lowe talked about DeAndre and as well just talking about how pivotal he is defensively and how important it is for him to be focused and engaged he also said and this is the one thing that I think you could call some level of reporting and not analysis, and that is there is no viable trade right now turning DeAndre in, into the kinds of players or picks that would maintain or boost the Suns' title odds per league sources, implying, of course, that the Suns were looking for trades and could not find anything that they would deem worthy of making that DeAndre Ayton trade, essentially trading their last trade asset that they have right now outside of a handful of second-round picks. Um yeah, any thoughts on what he said about DeAndre? And I think that was kind of something that's been hashed and rehashed if you're a sure. Suns fan at this point. Yeah, the stuff about um, that they're trying for a trade, they can't find a trade. It's I, Yeah, I suppose it's 
uh, another level of confirmation from him uh, from, from a league source's perspective, but not something that's surprising to either of us at all. Um, there was an interesting quote in here when he's talking about essentially now that the Suns' top priority has to be, uh, I'm going to quote him directly here, doing whatever it takes to repair their relationship with Aiton to lift him back up. Uh, and so that kind of is what that section of the article, the tone that it then takes on. How right. do you lift DeAndre Ayton back up? Um, obviously, Monty Williams is gone. Uh, Chris Paul is gone. If he had any sort of fractured relationship with the two of them, and we still don't know exactly to what extent that was the case, uh, those two are gone. So whose responsibility is it now uh, to lift him back up, and how do they do it? Uh, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, uh, Kevin Durant, and Frank Vogel, I, I guess, would be the the four yeah, main guys. Matt, who, Matt Ishbia. Matt, Matt Ishbia to an extent. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I don't know how much direct owner-to-player dialogue there is there what can Matt Ishbia really do to lift DeAndre Ayton up now that I mean he's all I know is that Robert Sarver had a pretty negative like on the opposite end of that Robert Sarver had a pretty negative impact on a lot of players in the past that's fair and we know that from what other retired players have spoken about or even players that are still in the NBA have spoken about when it comes to Robert Sarver Uh, so I know if there can be a negative interaction there can probably be a positive one (laughs) I assume you know I think it's okay to question the, the true level of impact that might have on a player compared to... Because what the implication was from, from Zach Lowe was coaches to players, top to bottom. Yep. And there was even two uh, references to players at the end of the bench sort of voicing their displeasure with DeAndre in, in the past. Um, and he's talking about all 15 guys. And if you you include uh, Saban Lee and Yudoka, that's that's 17 guys at this point. So, <laughs> and I think, you know, it's he's right. And it's it's... It's and I think he he put it right that there's a delicate balance with playoff teams sometimes where things can go badly, and it is just sort of another plate spinning for the Suns that they have to keep spinning throughout the season, and and that plate can't fall in the playoffs when things get harder, um, and it's it's an interesting perspective, and I thought it was a good perspective. I think it's a good article, especially for if you're a non-Suns fan in particular, to read and really sort of wrap your head around it because it's an honest assessment of what the Suns are. And that is that they're going to be really good with three great players. And when the defense and everything slows down and they need high-level isolation scoring, they have some of the most players in the league capable of doing that. Uh, So that's going to be tough for other teams to deal with in the playoffs. And it's just one of those things. And I thought he did another good job, by the way, talking about this as well, where how are teams going to guard all three of these guys? You're just sort li- listing yeah, teams like the Nuggets, the Mavs. It's going to be freaking impossible for them. Who does Luca guard? The Nuggets, the Mavs, the Wolves. Like, yeah. yeah, like who? Who? How do you end up? Can you hide players on this? Well, team? I, I mean, he, how do you end up doing? He that? threw out the Mavs as an, as an example, and he was like, "Okay, let's say the Suns start Kade Bates Diop, who, by the way, uh, you know, Low actually knows what he's talking about because he thinks Bates Diop is in the lead for the starting spot." Um, and I don't know if he, I don't know if he is. It, it could be Bates Diop, it could be a Kogi, it could be a number of guys like we've talked about. But at least he's not out here saying Bull Bull is going to start <laughs> with some sort of right. Photoshop of of how dangerous is this starting five for the Suns. So, you know, he's yeah. he's not ridiculous like some coverage is. Um, but he's talking about if, if Kyrie, as the weakest defender on the Mavs, just to use an example, mm-hmm. um, is going to guard Kata Bates Diop, who does Luka Doncic guard? And that assumes that Kata Bates-Diop is playing at all. What if the Suns close games with Eric Gordon, and now Eric Gordon is the weakest 
uh, quote unquote weakest offensive player in a and Suns and a great lineup. screener and a great yeah. screener. And now Kyrie is guarding that guy. Yeah, exactly. plus Luca is guarding Bradley Beal. It's fascinating. Yeah, not every team is going to struggle to defend as much as the Dallas Mavericks. I don't think. But we're going to talk more. We're going to talk more about them because at the second half of this podcast, we're going to talk about every. Western Conference team briefly just to break down how things have changed in the Western Conference landscape and I think Dallas is kind of interesting when you look at the changes they made this uh, offseason but yeah do you have anything else that you wanted to cover because I have one other thing I I wanted to talk to you about Uh, I think that's that's probably it for the low article just it was a good article if you have ESPN plus go seek it out yeah, and if you don't, we talked about a lot of the interesting stuff here. <laughs> that's that's fair. <laughs> so that's you fair. got to hear honestly, some of the <laughs> interesting honestly, stuff. Honestly, yeah. It's really good, though. Um, and I, here's something I wanted to ask you. And I'll, I'll frame it like this. Are Suns fans underrating Kevin Durant at this point? And and here's, here's why I'll ask. Um, because the playoffs, in a weird way... I've heard people sort of describe the playoffs for Kevin Durant as if it were bad, for example, or like it didn't go very well uh, for Kevin Durant. And sort of the the implication of that is, I don't know, what Kevin Durant are we going to be getting next season? Which, of course, you never know what kind of player you're going to get. But I what I did, just to sort of hammer home, just how good Kevin Durant was. I wanted to take this opportunity to do that. And you know what What this is? This is really shepherding our listeners directly into optimism season, as we've talked about year over year on this podcast. It begins right now, essentially, uh, as we're going to talk about these stats. So I pulled some stats, and I wanted to read these stats to you just to really hammer home how good Kevin Durant is, and then, of course, you can give a response to that. But first, I'll let you answer. Do you think Suns fans are underrating KD at this point? I think they do. We got a question recently. Was it on the mailbag last week about um, who's better, KD or Book, at this point? And, yeah, I I think just the fact that that's a question. Obviously, Book was sensational in the playoffs. Kevin Durant is still Kevin Durant. And I actually think Book will pass KD at some point. Sure. Could be this year. One gets older and the other doesn't. You know, like But there's a benefit, there's a benefit of the doubt that KD gets. I'm sure you have some lovely stats uh, as we go here. By the way, August first, if you're listening to this, it's probably August first already. Maybe it's even later. I uh, would suggest that August first be officially declared a national holiday as the start of optimism season. Oh, I love it. Nation, we nationwide. have a date now. Nationwide. We've talked to this is probably our fourth year talking about optimism season. It is kind because of because as everyone knows, for those who really listen to the podcast and have for like this is our sixth off season that we're covering the podcast, I tend to do the same thing every year, which is spend the first month of the off season trading every single player on the Suns and making the case that you could improve those positions. And then of course shifting into once the team is actually set, talking about what the team actually will be. And I think that, for me, is when it becomes optimism. I, I spent today, for example, watching every single basket KD shot while he was on the Suns, every single assist by Drew Eubanks last season because I was looking at just what he's capable how, how of. How many as assists as was passes. that? 18 assists? <laughs> it's like 1.3 okay, per that's game. Okay, yeah. that's terrible. Not terrible. Yeah, but you can watch the video of his, of his short roll assists that I posted if you haven't already because... I actually haven't seen it. It's it's notice. pretty impressive actually, and that the Trailblazers trap a lot, right? So Eubanks has the opportunity to make a lot of short roll assists. Anyway, we'll talk about Eubanks more later. Let's talk about KD. KD averaged. Do you know what he averaged off the top of your head in the playoffs? Like twenty nine, eight, and five. 
That's exactly basically exactly right. I looked 29 at it a couple points. Of days ago. 29 points, 8.7 rebounds, 5.5 assists on 47% field goal percentage, 47%. It was the cutoff that I used because I looked at players who have averaged 29, 8, and 5 on at least 47% field goal percentage, and I filtered by at least 10 games because I didn't want guys who got swept and played well or something. Um, Here's the list of names of players that have done that. 29, 8, and 5 on at least 47% field goal percentage. Jokic, Giannis, LeBron, Durant, and Oscar Roberts, Robertson. A massive gap in time go big between go. Oscar Robertson. Yeah. Yeah. And the rest of the guys on this list. A few of them have done it more than once in uh, like LeBron, Giannis, and Jokic. Was Giannis the final season? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. And I think twice oh. was Giannis. Oh, I don't have the okay. full list in front of me, cool, so cool, he's cool. done it more than once. Um, and that's just even a, what we consider a bad playoffs for KD is is just absurd. You know, I watched all these shots from KD today, like I said, and thinking about the issues with the team last season, I'm watching these post-ups by Kevin Durant where there's just nobody guarding Chris Paul and there's nobody guarding Josh Okoge at all. Well, KD has the ball and the type, the way that the team was constructed after that trade through no fault of anyone involved, it was just how it happened, right? Um, it was difficult to get things going and he still was capable of putting 29, eight and five. What, what's your reaction to that? He is just fucking sensational at basketball <laughs> um, and, and a versatile three-way score, the likes of which we've never seen. And who knows how long it'll be before we see someone quite like him again, um, you know, hopefully he has several years left before he hangs it up. So I don't want to frame it this as like a legacy discussion. Right. But yeah, he's he's so good. And, you know, I, I pulled up the stats, too, just for his regular season. I know people don't care as much about the regular season. I, yeah. And I got more, by the way, on that, too. OK, well, I mean, just, you know, career high, true shooting percentage in the regular season at age 34. It's crazy. No one talks about that. 60, 67 <laughs> percent true shooting on 29 points per game in the regular season. Was he as healthy as we would have liked? No, obviously. Um, but do you have this stat, or can I throw out this one? Do you know how many players in NBA history have averaged at least 29 points per game and at least 67% true shooting in a single season? <laughs> do you know that one? I believe it's just one. Am I wrong? It's nobody. It was a trick yeah. question. It's just KD. It's just KD. Yeah. Steph Because here's, here's a stat I have. Sure. Exactly. KD averaged 29 points on 61% effective field goal percentage because I was trying okay, to take... Okay, so we just used a slightly I was trying to take free throws out of it just, just for the for the uh, record. And it's free only been count. done... It's a legitimate yeah, free offense. throws do count. And they, and they do count. So as far as 29 points on 61% effective field goal percentage, KD and Steph. And Steph did it once last year and once in his second MVP. And that's the only time even Steph has done it. And the highest true shooting percentage of those three seasons, as you noted, was Kevin Durant. 29 points on 67% true shooting percentage is something that, I mean, it was impossible until last season. And yes, he played, I think, 47 games last year, which I think is notable. You know, he did only play 47 games, so we have to factor that in to what we're looking at. But he ended up playing the playoffs, and we talked about the playoff sets. Six players in the NBA shot at least five mid-range shots per game last season. We've talked about this stat on the podcast before. I just wanted to reiterate it. Six players 
have shot at least five mid-range shots. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Kawhi Leonard, Joel Embiid, DeMar DeRozan. And do you want to guess the last one? I was waiting for you to say DeMar DeRozan. Um, I think you could have guessed all of those, right? You said Embiid and Kawhi. Durant, Booker, Kawhi, Embiid, and DeRozan were the first five. I mean, is it an all-star? Uh, one-time all-star, I think. Maybe one, I'm wrong. One-time all-star. Might not be an all-star, actually. Western Conference player, I'll give you that. I don't think you'll get it. I would have never guessed it. <laughs> Ingram? It is Ingram. Okay, okay, cool. Nailed nice, it. Nice. I was thinking the, who's okay. kind of mid, but like good, but mid. Uh, uh, well, he was he was by far the worst field goal percentage <laughs> we'll, on those we'll, mid-range we'll shots. We'll also talk about the Pelicans later in the second half of yeah. this episode, I have a feeling. On those mid-range shots, Ingram shot 43.8%. DeRozan, DeRozan shot 47.3%. That's the largest gap besides the one at the top. Embiid shot 48.7%. Leonard shot 49.2%. Booker shot an absurd... 49.4 which was by the way i believe the best number of booker's career from the mid-range last season but the gap between number one and number two from durant to devin booker is basically seven percent because durant shot 56 percent from mid-range last season number one in the nba for anyone who shot over five mid-range shots per game by a gap that was larger than from Booker to Ingram. And it's just, it's crazy to think about how efficient he was from mid-range, especially for a player like him who a lot of them are contested. They're not, they're not wide open shots. They the are mid, guys In the mid-range for him, never, never. Yeah. But he can see over the top of any defender. The only time he's going to get into trouble is if he's triple teamed, and that's not going to happen this year. Knock, knock on wood. If the lineup, uh, if the lineups are what we hope they look like. Well, one more stat related to that, and then we'll go to break here. The Suns were eight and zero when he played in the regular season. When him and Devin Booker shared the court, they were plus seventy in those eight games. In those minutes, where both of them shared the court, and this is a team that did struggle with depth. That did struggle with fit and yet they still won every game during the regular season and were plus 70 in those minutes and they improved from last season i think pretty dramatically especially if you look at the team just post kd trade any thoughts on that one that they enormously improved their depth and uh were in Mm -hmm. pretty good shape especially if they figure out just one or two staggered lineups that could become go-to's of either using beal with the second unit or Aiton with the second unit, um, Gordon will be a mainstay of that lineup as well. they got, they got to figure that out. It's going to take a while to experiment with it, but I have high hopes. I mean, it's hard to not have <laughs> high hopes of the Suns. Let's quickly, I want to mention all the things that the Suns did uh, in this offseason, and then we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk about what the rest of the Western Conference did. The Suns, here's the players the Suns lost so far in the offseason. Darius Baisley, Bismack Biombo, Torrey Craig, Jock Landale, Chris Paul, Cameron Payne, Terrence Ross, Landry Shamit, and TJ Warren. Here's the players the Suns added. Keita Bates-Diop, Bradley Beal, Bull Bull, Tumani Kamara, Drew Eubanks, Jordan Goodwin, Eric Gordon, Chumezi Metu, Yuta Watanabe, 
And then they re-signed Damian Lee and Josh Akogi, as well as the two ways. And Yudoka Azubuki. Did you say his name? <laughs> I did not. That's okay. <laughs> Uh, pretty good off season for the Suns, I think. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's talk about what the rest of the Western Conference did and uh, talk about who we think is, is in the top tier of contenders, I think. Uh, we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, Sam, I wanted to cover, it's been an offseason where a lot of stuff happened, and I wanted to cover every single team in the Western Conference, at least briefly, to recap what they did, and then talk about whether or not we think they improved, if they got worse, and kind of where they stand in the tiers of the Western Conference. I guess we have to make up some tiers, right? We got the contender sure. tier. Yep. And then pretender. we got what? The, the pretender tier, yep. I guess. And then there's just the other teams. Uh, you know, that's probably... Yeah, enough. that's fine. I think you could split it up even more about, like, are the other teams trying to compete or are they not yeah. trying to compete? But uh, Well, there won't be much if we split them up like that. For our purposes, we don't... I don't think we have to do that. Also, I will say, like, we could have, yeah. in a normal offseason, maybe even gotten to this initial discussion of scoping out the rest of the conference earlier... But it's been a weird summer for the Western There's Conference. There's still things that are going to happen. Yeah. Exactly. It's been a summer of blue balls. And so there are a couple of yeah. teams in here that I think uh, have done basically nothing this summer because yeah. they're waiting. TBD. They're, they're yeah. waiting on um, certain. They're the Suns last year. Yeah. They're waiting the last on another shoot to fall. So we will. Yeah. We'll have to see. Like the Los Angeles Clippers. No idea what to do with them as, as we yeah. wait and see if they're going to make that James Harden trade uh, or not. The Portland Trailblazers. Obviously, Damian Lillard's still out there. Is he going to go? Is he not going to go? We shall yeah. see. Um, but for the most part, 12, 13 out of the 15 teams in this conference, I think we can reasonably put into one of these tiers. I like to frame it as moved or not moved, which is the most like Zoomer discourse that I could think of uh, <laughs> as, as a framing mechanism for how we can talk it's about perfect. this. There are a couple yeah. of teams that move me with what they did. The vast majority of these teams, I'll tell you right now, I'm not moved. 
but we'll get I'm into gonna, it let's one start, by one. I'm going to go. <laughs> yes, we're going to go in alphabetical order because that is sure. the order of the list that I have. And that means that we're starting with the Dallas Mavericks. Um, and with the Dallas Mavericks, I'm going to give you some notable additions and some notable players lost. We're not going to go through every single little thing they did. Obviously, the biggest notable addition, if you want to call him that, of the Dallas Mavericks was re-signing Kyrie Irving, who could have left from the team, but stayed on a few years, um, for a few years at least. Dwight Powell was also re-signed. I think their next biggest move was the sign-and-trade with the Boston Celtics for Grant Williams. No doubt. Other players of note, Seth Curry and Rashawn Holmes, I think, are the other two players that they lost. There's not a ton here, I think, that you would be too worried about if you were the Mavericks. Davis Bertans, Reggie Bullock, Justin Holiday, Christian Wood you know, is still Christian Wood, a player who anywhere. you know scored a lot for them last year. Um, Theo Pinson, I'm not sure <laughs> if he's allowed to have a podcast. You're being if he's diplomatic about that with your Wood commentary, uh, I can. See. I don't think he, they're losing a great player in Christian Wood. I think they're losing a player who scored a lot, but that's a different thing. Um. I think, well, let's let's ask you this first. Are you moved by this? Not moved. Let's not let's moved start at right all. here. Not not moved. Why why should I be moved? You convince well, they, me why I should be moved. Be, they're better, right? I don't know. Are they? I think they are. I think Grant Williams, Grant Williams is, is like solid. So if you just look at Grant Williams, I think they improved their Who? like first role player guy tell, right <laughs> tell me this right now who is starting at center for this team which has deep playoff aspirations it's, it's got to be dwight powell and i'll give right? you the choices here are the choices it's dwight powell okay. who's going to become the udonis haslam of this organization um <laughs> and, and has somehow been there for 10 years already yeah uh javel mcgee who was an under disaster last year yeah rashawn out of the rotation rashawn yeah. holmes who they acquired who i like but i did, don't think he's gonna start but did not a starting center did not play uh, at, for the Kings really last year at a time when they were at their best. <laughs> they became at their... I don't think this is his fault, but as soon yeah. as Rashawn Holmes stopped playing for the Kings, they became awesome. Uh, or Derek Lively II, who was there. That was the other addition I was going to point out. He was their, true. He was their lottery 12th pick. 12th pick in the NBA. 12th pick Duke. of the NBA draft this year. Averaged yeah. five points per game at Duke in his one season. Probably shouldn't start. Don't yeah. think he should be a starter. Maybe he's good a few years yeah. from now. Don't think he should be a starter for a team with deep playoff aspirations in year one. They have problems. That's not even to get into their wing depth, which I think yeah. maybe worsened losing Reggie Bullock. Why should I well, be moved? Grant Williams is better than Reggie Bullock. Sure. So, I mean, that got better. Seth Curry, a good shooter, Seth not, a, not really a defender at all. Um, no, I think you're right. I think they slightly improved and they're still not going to be great. But, you know, I think... All it takes is is for Luka Doncic to come into the season the healthiest he's ever been. And, uh, you know, like we talked about, I don't remember if this was Patreon or not, and it probably wasn't because it was shade. But I, I said that all Luka Doncic has to do is come into the season in shape, play defense for the first 20 games of the NBA season, and he'll probably win an MVP just because of how set up it is for him to win. And that's if they're a seventh or eighth seed. I think there's still a chance he can do it. Um, but, I, you know... I still think they'll be pretty good because here's what I think. The Suns would probably have, you know, maybe at worst a top five offense, right? Sure. Yeah, they should. And the Nuggets would probably have a top five offense, maybe probably the best. Nuggets, Suns, Kings should be three of the five. You could slot in right there. Well, the, this Mavericks team might be one or the other. 
Yeah, they, right? no, they could be. Their offense could be incredible. Yeah, but so defense, I mean, that's I start there, right? That their their offense is going to be extremely good at the very least. Like I think the we'll get to the Kings later. I think they suck at defense and didn't address that either. The the Mavs could be that bad too. Yeah, who's anchoring? Yeah. Uh, it, again, it like you need a guy to anchor a defense. You're going to rely on the rookie who averaged five points, or Rashawn Holmes, <laughs> or Dwight Powell. <laughs> There's just there isn't there isn't a good choice for them. Not moved. We'll put them in the pretender category. I right? think they're a pretender. Okay. I mean, they'll have to do something to change my mind, but I agree. Uh, Denver Nuggets, can we just put them in the contender category contender. right away? They just won the NBA title. I don't but think. Sure. Yeah. You, they got you go. worse, right? Detail. Well, detail it. <laughs> Throw it out there. Okay. They lost. This is their most. This is probably the most notable um, loss of any team, and that's Bruce Brown Jr. Uh, being lost by the team that just won the NBA title and a player that played essentially the most minutes off the bench for them. And a really, really good player in Bruce Brown Jr., who now makes over $20 million. They also lost Jeff Green, who was a good player and played, you know, good enough to play on their shortened playoff rotation. And he is now gone as well. Their notable additions are nobody. I mean, they re signed Reggie Jackson. They re signed, for some reason, DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, that was perhaps the most puzzling thing about it all is that they let two guys. In, and Bruce Brown, they couldn't have controlled that. They couldn't have matched that money. But they yeah. let, at the end of the day, they let two guys in their top eight playoff rotation go. And the two guys that they resigned, that they prioritized seemingly, uh, were Reggie Jackson and DeAndre Jordan, who didn't play in the playoffs. Now, I will say, I like the fact that they acquired some extra picks. They drafted, I think, three guys in the like 30 to 40 range in the draft. And I don't know anything yeah. about any of them. So maybe one of those guys is their next Christian Brown, which I'm sure is yeah. what they're thinking. That's that's what they're hoping for. Yeah. But unless, like, it's a little scary for them if they have to now rely on that happening rather than having some veterans on the bench. So I, I think they've earned the respect having this dominant playoff run. They will go into the season as, again, a contender, and, and not just that, as basically the uh, anointed number one, expected number one seed in the Western Conference. I think they've earned that right. Okay, but they didn't have. A, they didn't have a great offense. They got worse. Yes, they got worse. They're they're a contender that got worse. Yeah, the Dallas is a pretender that got better. Just to recap where we're at right now, um, let's see. Next team, Golden State Warriors. Players they lost. I think the biggest notable loss is probably. I mean, obviously Jordan Poole, um, and Dante Divincenzo. Yep, I think those are probably the biggest. Um, losses that they have. They also lost Jermichael Green and then some players I think that just didn't play a lot of minutes. Andre Gudala retired. This is I guess that's notable if only because he played so many minutes from them or for them for so long. Um, notable additions Chris Paul <laughs> and Dario Saric, former Suns player. God damn it. They also I mean just from the perspective of a good offseason, they did re sign Draymond Green to what I think was a pretty good contract for Draymond Green they also added Corey Joseph and as well as a draft pick I forget uh, think? that they added Dario does this move you I, is the question um I'm slightly moved it's the weirdest one right? it's the weirdest it has one. to be the weirdest I one. recognize the massive implosion potential here um and, and again I I obviously there's Chris Paul I forgot that Dario 
that they grab Dario as well. I think that's a yeah, solid good con- good contract for that's them. That's a solid Jamichael Green replacement, if nothing more. Yeah. Um, just uh, brutal for me that now I have to watch Warriors games and and see not only Chris Paul but also Dario and think, damn, I can't root for these guys because they're <laughs> they're the Warriors. I like those guys, yeah. but I can't root for them. Uh, I am slightly moved in the sense that you know I think it was um, Nikias Duncan recently who was talking about how much the Warriors offense has always struggled in the non-Steph Curry minutes uh, throughout the entire, even through the KD yeah. era. Um, yeah. And, you know, if Chris Paul is playing with their bench, if he embraces that role, uh, they have a real chance to take a big leap with their second unit lineups. And, yeah, this this could be fairly dangerous uh, at, at its best, but it's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot of buy-in from all parties. And Did they get better get or worse? They, I would say they got better. Because the guys that you listed, Jordan Poole had a brutal season. I don't think it's his fault. I still like him quite a bit. I like him a lot more just as a person than Draymond Green, to be honest with you. But he had <laughs> he had a brutal season. It's true. DiVincenzo, whatever. Jamichael Green, yeah. they replaced with Dario. I mean, he's a player that played minutes for them. Like, DiVincenzo played playoff minutes. So, you know, obviously, Dario Sharge, Chris Paul, they're going to play minutes. When Chris Paul falls Joseph apart, will probably play minutes. if Chris Paul falls apart in the playoffs... Yeah, I think now this is this isn't is. fair analysis because they could turn around and say when Kevin Durant falls apart in the playoffs and okay yeah touche but Bradley Beal Devin Booker yeah whatever. but if Chris Paul falls apart in the playoffs do they have the depth to make up for it I don't know Draymond gets worse I, yeah. every year that, yeah I that think team that's is just what Steph. they're looking at is that they are an aging team who their biggest addition is their oldest player now. So, you know, but I'm, I, I'm slightly I think, moved. I think they're going to be I think they're going to be extremely, extremely good in the regular season and how whether or not they improved as far as what they did in the playoffs last year remains to be seen and, and is is incredibly dependent on the health of Chris Paul, who is a notoriously injured player. Um, so that sucks to say, but um, they're still a contender, though, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, you got to give them that credit. You, you can't count this team out. They will be there every year. They'll be in the hunt. Here's a weird team. The Houston Rockets. <laughs> Contenders. <laughs> they lost uh, nobody of note because they didn't have very many players of note. They added Dylan Brooks in an insane contract. Fred Van Vliet on a... An insane contract equally, as well. I would say like, equally least, insane contract for Fred <laughs> At least he's good. Uh, Jeff Green, Aaron Holiday, and then, uh, you know, some really interesting drafted players. By the way, Jock Landale, we should mention. Yes, yes, um, yep. As well, added to that team. And uh, Amen Thompson, Amen Thompson, was a player they drafted, as well as Cam Whitmore, a player that was supposed to go higher and ended up falling far enough that they were able to draft him at 20th. And then he ended up winning... Summer League MVP. So with their 20th pick, they, they picked the Summer League MVP. This this team undoubtedly got better than last season, even if you're going to talk about these guys as all massively overpaid. Do they move you at all? Uh, well, no, in the sense that they're going to be one of the worst teams in the Western Conference again, but it, they are a good example to serve that. Unless the Blazers do really blow it up, and they end up trading Damian Lillard before the season starts, which is looking, I don't know, maybe increasingly unlikely. Uh, every team in this conference could beat you. 
will be competitive. I don't think there's a J- Jalen Green's only getting better. I don't think there's a twenty win team in this conference. I think I look yeah. at the 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 amount of serviceable role players, even if you disagree with their particular methods of of expenditure and the way that they use their cap space this summer. I look at that roster you just listed out, all of the guys they added, plus obviously their young core, the Shangoons, the the Jalen Greens, yada yeah. yada. Um I see a thirty win team there. They'll be solid. They won't be good. They got better. But you you got to take a team like that seriously, yeah. What are we, five, six teams in, and only one team has gotten worse, and it was the Denver Nuggets who mm-hmm. won the title last year. Well, we continue yeah. to see even more. I mean, injuries are going to throw a wrench into a bunch of these teams, as they always do. But it's optimism mm-hmm. season. Most of these teams feel that they got better. And also, right. it's the age of parity in the NBA. We're talking about the NBA champions who had a dominant run kind of coming back to the median level a little bit and everyone else racing to catch up. I think that's by design. That's what the NBA wants with its new CBA. It wants the the team that just won the finals to always feel the pressure, to feel the heat from the other franchises. Los Angeles Clippers. Yeah, I don't even know what to do with these guys. They barely did anything. They lost Eric Gordon and Xavier Moon, who, you know, they didn't play. They added... KJ Martin in a good trade, I believe two second round picks or something like that for KJ Martin and uh, Kobe Brown, who they picked in the draft and they re-signed Mason Plumlee and Russell Westbrook. Those are basically their biggest moves so far. They're like you said, in limbo. I mean, if you think KJ Martin is a better fit than Eric Gordon, because that's basically the thing that they swapped KJ Martin for Eric Gordon, then I think you can make the case they got better. And if you don't, then you can make the case they got worse. Or, in my opinion, they're basically, I feel exactly the same about them as I did last year. But what do you think? Yeah, it's, I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, I think Eric Gordon was one of their only competent three-point shooters and replacing that with K.J. Martin, who you know has some talent and skills, but it's just not what they needed. They already had enough wing depth, uh, in my opinion, and, and they need the shooting. I... It depends on. I think the better way to frame this is if the James Harden trade happens, then are you moved? Because as of it now, it depends on what the trade is. As of now, how could you possibly say that this team moves you? I mean, right. we've just we've seen it five years in a row. They've it's the same. Thing. I fell for it. Older, I, yeah. I fell for the propaganda. I mean, everybody has. Yeah, Sam. Don't you don't have to feel guilty about it. I, I think it's it's totally fair. <laughs> My but Clippers. What became of my Clippers? I've abandoned my child. My boy. I think that they are at their best. The Clippers were the scariest when they had a ton of shooting. And they lost Eric Gordon, replaced him with a non-shooter in KJ Martin, and are planning on playing Russell Westbrook a lot of minutes. It makes them less scary to me. Do you still Are they pretenders at this point? Yeah, are we going to knock them down a tier? Yeah, I think they're pretenders. I like it. I mean, I if, if, Kawhi and P- if Kawhi and PG both play 65-plus games, we can revisit that. Well, uh, they'd have to be healthy in the playoffs. But, yeah, I, I agree. I think we have to call them that, and um, they can convince me otherwise as well. I just, there's, you know, they'd have to make that trade because there's just nothing else I think that excites me. The whole time you'd just be thinking, will these guys be healthy in the playoffs, which, because you talked about it, five years in a row, yeah, hard to be excited. The Lakers, the other team in L.A., had a pretty dramatic offseason as far as making changes. The list of players they lost is pretty long. The list of players they lost that I think are good players 
it's probably just Malik, Malik Beasley. Beasley. Lonnie Walker, I Lonnie guess Walker's, if you liked him, you won one game for them. Okay, right? yeah, but I would, I would say <laughs> Dennis uh, Schroeder Beasley is their one yeah. game player. And they added Jackson Hayes, Torian Prince, Cam Reddish, I don't know if you're excited about that. Gabe Vincent. Cam Reddish sucks. I mean, can we just... God, I think he does too. Yeah. I hate the fact of all teams he could have gone to, he should have gone to some bad team where he could rot on the bench and people could forget his existence. But instead, he went to the he's Lakers. He's going to be overhyped and every now time he's he does he's gonna get. He's going to have one good game in two months and the Cam Reddish <laughs> hype. This is a guy I don't understand where it came from. With Cam Reddish all these years. He shot 33% from deep in college. And that was his biggest skill coming out of the draft. On a team he was wide We've open, known. by the way. <laughs> We've known for years. He sucked for years. I've never understood with Cam Reddish. Ball don't right. stop mixtapes. Rotted our collective brains. Anyway. Resigned Rui Hachimura, Austin Reeves, and D'Angelo Russell. I think all three good players. You know, D'Angelo Russell has his occasional being not a good player on the court as well as Rui Hachimura to be honest but Rui Hachimura I think for what they traded for him I think they got a good player out of him you know I think I think they got better right they did what they needed to do by re-signing Reeves by re-signing D'Lo Hachimura and you can't discount by the way the Gabe Vincent acquisition that's a good yeah acquisition. I think that was huge um replacing it's a player who can run a pick and roll and shoot threes it's, it's more in line with what they needed than what they lost in Malik Beasley both guys can shoot Gabe Vincent more comfortable with the ball in his hands uh they're a contender they are I, yeah. I don't think they're better than the Suns if you put a gun to my head right now but yeah they're they're in the tier they deserve it they were in the Western Conference yeah. Finals you know they're a little bit you know like like the uh, the Clippers in that they have notoriously injured players in uh, well one in Anthony Davis and, and a lot rides on him and and LeBron James is thirty eight next year I think he'll be uh, so yeah it'll be a fascinating season for them but I think they've earned that respect they also played their best basketball right before the playoffs um, even though they kind of got their asses kicked once they actually made the playoffs. Um, I think they definitely got better, and I think they're contenders as well. I could see a few games into the season, I could see knocking them down into the pretenders tier, though. <laughs> okay, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> I'm not afraid of saying that that's possible. Uh, here's a fascinating one. The Memphis Grizzlies mm. um, lost Dylan Brooks and Tyus Jones and John Morant for 25 games. Um, added Derek Rose, Marcus Smart. And Isaiah Todd, if you want to talk about former Suns players. They also, I think this was a really good move for them, re-signed Desmond Bain to a massive contract extension, but one that I think he earned. It's a fascinating team where, I mean, I like Marcus Smart a lot. I mean, I've talked to, we've talked about him a lot on this podcast. I really like him He's a lot. He's certainly better than Dylan Brooks. I'll give them that. He's better than Dylan Brooks. Um is Derrick Rose better than Tyus Jones? He is certainly a lot worse than Tyus Jones. So, <laughs> to be honest with you, those were their two big moves. Right, right. And I think they cancel each other out. So, the, you feel the same about Tyus them, Jones was a loss. That was that was kind was, of a big he loss. He was really good. He was a bet. Everyone called him the best backup point guard in the league. Their bench lineup net ratings with him were killer. Because they're they not, also got a ton of credit for playing really well without Without John, John Morant, Morant. John Morant didn't play, and none of that credit t- tended to go Tyus Jones's way for some reason. Yeah, I think he deserved a lot of that credit. I, yes, I I'm tempted. You know, this is tough because like 
part of it is I've had to eat my words on Jaron Jackson Jr. in the past year. Like he was, he's been so good. He was so awesome. It it took him so long to click. And I made fun of, I made fun of him for years, to be honest, um, because there were certain things in his game that he just had to iron out and it took him a while, but now we're, we're here five, six years in and, and he's legitimately awesome. Um, but that notwithstanding, I just can't shake the feeling that these guys are pretenders. How do you feel? I'm, I think they're contenders. I think they're contenders. Um, if only because Marcus Smart will just do some shady stuff in the playoffs. Dylan Brooks already did. What's your, what are your expectations of John Morant <laughs> this year? Let's start there. I think he's going to be awesome. And I think he, I think that's the reason. Look, I understand all the off court stuff going on with John Morant, but like he's a player that is essentially just about to enter his athletic prime who was extremely good the last two seasons and is probably going to be better every season for the next few years when he plays basketball. And I think you could say the same about Jaron Jackson Jr. And that's why I think it's hard for me to... They Their two best players are going to be most likely better this year than they were last year. Everything else is essentially the same. And to me, that means they're a contender. Am I scared of them? Not really. <laughs> Admittedly, to to be fair, and maybe that that is what makes them a pretender in your mind, at, at the very least. Um, but I I would say that they there's a world where they win a championship next year, and I wouldn't be completely shocked. Yeah, I. It's, it's a small chance, though. <laughs> yeah, it's small. It's a, it's a very small. Chance. I agree. Um, yeah, if I had to, if I had to to rank them of the contenders that we have so far, they'd be the last. I I st- I think they're a pretender. I'm not yeah. com- you can have them in your contender list. I'm not comfortable going there. I kind of love that take, I'm going to be honest. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if I might uh, come back It's hatering. My history, my history of many bad takes. This might come back to bite me in the ass, uh, every, but everyone has bad takes that does a podcast twice a week here. It's true. Um the Minnesota Timberwolves. Notable losses, Torian Prince. That's basically it. Jalen Noel, I guess you could say Jalen Noel. Um, Austin Rivers, Matt Ryan, Nathan Knight. That's the total list there. Their notable additions? Mm. <laughs> They're the same team. Right? They're the same team. How will Carl Anthony Towns, fresh off a season in which he changed the game, according to him, <laughs> how will the Timberwolves change the game again this year? A new. Troy, let me read the players they added. Troy Brown, Jalen Clark, Leonard Miller, Miller, Shake Milton. Only I one like, of them. I kind of like Shake Milton. Yeah, that's the only one that played actual minutes in the NBA in the last few years. Other than that, and I'll give him credit for this contract extension for Anthony Edwards, contract extension for Nas Reed, who broke his hand against the Suns, actually, um, last season or his wrist, and is a good player, but he's their third center just a weird I don't I don't understand what this team is doing. You know, there were some rumors that they were shopping Carl Anthony Towns and that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, because Gobert has no value, so maybe you can try to extract as much value as you possibly could out of Carl Anthony Towns. But at this point, I wouldn't say they're doing a good job building around Anthony Edwards and if I were him, I wouldn't be entirely happy with it. Oh, are we I'm on interested to see are we on trade watch for Anthony Edwards is now? Is that what you're <laughs> no, I don't think we're there yet. Yeah. Considering he just signed a massive contract extension. Uh, but yeah. I think they move off Conley this year. He's an expiring contract. I'm just thinking of like, what's the avenue for improvement for this team? If you've got 
this massive $55, $60 million anchor in Gobert that can't be moved. You're obviously not going to trade Edwards. You want him to be the centerpiece. So it's either trade Cat. I mean, Conley was pretty good for them when they acquired him midseason. Like, credit to him. He's, what, 35 years old now? He's their stabilizer, yeah. He's almost 36. He's going to start this season 36 years old. I thought he had a rock-solid second half of the year. He was better for them than D'Angelo Russell was. But how the hell are they going to improve? <laughs> they don't have tradable assets. Other they than traded Kat. as many picks for Gobert as the Suns did for Durant outside of the swaps. Are they even a pretender, I guess, is my question here, or are they No, other? I don't think so. You think they're I mean, just other? Yeah, I don't, I don't have any faith in this team being great next year. All right. Anthony Edwards, a massive... It would take a massive... Anthony Edwards leap because I think we know what Carl Anthony Towns is and if he's your second best player not that excited look if he's your fourth best player third best player that's more more exciting I think but at this point if he's your second best yeah I'm not moved not moved <laughs> the New Orleans Pelicans oh this one's fun man they didn't do much either I'm just looking at these teams but it's still they fun. lost well they lost Jackson Hayes Finally. Willie Hernan Gomez, Josh Richardson, and Garrett Temple. Garrett Temple just signed a contract, I think, a few days ago or maybe yesterday. They added Cody Zeller, the 14th pick, and Jordan Hawkins, and that's it? Sure. Is that really all they did? Yeah. I mean, they re-signed Herb Jones, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Wow. Continuity, Mike. Can, can I, I be honest bad here? bad for those Pelicans podcasters, well, man. Can, we, can I start here? Well, yeah, sure. I'm kind of moved. Interesting. You're not moved? Even after all? all the things that happened with Zion in this offseason? What happens? A bunch of bullshit that he didn't respond to, like a mature adult. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And someone ranted at him on, on Twitter and got their 15 minutes of fame. Or was it Instagram? It's I true. can't even remember. I, I barely followed that whole saga. Because it doesn't yeah. matter. Look, if I'm a Pelicans fan right now, I'm not comfortable <laughs> with things as they stand. But, of course, you know, we're going to have to play the whole what this team is on paper. But what this team is on paper still moves me. I kind of haven't budged from my position of when they almost, they didn't really almost knock us out of the playoffs, but when they gave us a tough series last year. And since then, Trey Murphy has become a hell of a lot better. Brandon Ingram is Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, CJ McCollum. They're not great. So it all all revolves around Zion. Herb Jones, still there, like you said, re-signed. Balance units, you know Did, what you're going to get. Didn't really improve last year in Herb Jones. Yeah, Herb Jones is Herb Jones. He was a second-round pick. He was yeah. meant to be a high-floor, low-ceiling type player. Trey Murphy really had a great... Was it his third season? He had a great... Yeah, he's season. probably their best like candidate for somebody who could just really improve and makes a big difference as far as improvement goes. If Zion is, that- is healthy, and I understand, I know I'm not supposed yeah. to fall for this again, but... If he is, I think they're contenders before Memphis. I really think that. I'd put mm. them up there. I don't. But I understand if you if you want them <laughs> in the pretender. But I just think if this team is actually playing. I don't mind it. I believed in them last strength. year and I'm, I was burned, I think, a little yeah. bit by what they were last year. Yeah. Because, because the difference between them when Zion was healthy and them when he wasn't healthy was you know number one in the west to the worst team in the nba they weren't they weren't the worst <laughs> team in the nba but yeah they were I, I think at one time they lost 16 out of 18 games they went to like they yeah they were like the 20th or 25th best team in the nba yeah. pretty bad 
but that's also also a demonstration of the, of the fact that that Zion guy and is, they had other injuries too. Zion is pretty good. I know he's extremely have, good. People forgot. People kind of forgot. All right. Uh, I don't know if I'm, I'm rooting say for him. Pretenders. You're gonna say pretenders. Yeah. I'm gonna say contenders. Then, so they got. I I think. Did you, are you thinking they got better just by the equity they have of their team, like getting older? <laughs> yeah, their team got a little bit older, and their team's not yeah. that old to begin with. CJ's kind of old, but other than that, their team's not that old to begin with. Okay, and they need health. Look, I think they're far below everyone else in the tier of contenders, and I understand if no one actually has faith in them going into the season. But like the difference between them is, I think of New Orleans at full strength, and I see a team that could just play really good basketball where I think for Memphis, it's kind of them being at health is the expectation. And even in that case, I just don't think they'll be that good. I think they will be a second round playoff team. Fair. That's how I feel. Are you scared of them? If the Suns match up against them, the Pelicans, if Zion's playing? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I don't know if they're better than us. I don't think they are. But I think any Suns fan should be scared, a little scared, of, of the prospect of playing so that would be healthy Zion, Zion guarding in the playoffs. We haven't seen it JD. yet. Maybe they'd go to Zion at center. I mean, they would have to really rebound. I don't know. That'd be a fascinating matchup. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. You love this team, right? I'm moved. <laughs> I mean, you should I'm be. Moved. I think, however, I mean, however. they're going to be better. They're a team that's like without a doubt this going a to be better one, than last. Okay, but but let me say here. I think what we should do, at yeah. best, I'm not actually afraid of this team. They're not going to beat the Suns. Um, but I think we yeah. should consider: do we move them from the other category into the pretenders? Oh, I th- no. I I would like I to. Know. I would like to raise. I that saw motion, over under bring it for to the them floor. that was like 43. I think. I should have bet the under on that one, by the way. Uh, is Shea a but, top ten player in the NBA? Okay, let's let's quickly let's let's get to that, but let's quickly just mention what they did. They lost Jared Butler, Dario Saric, Olivier Saar, Lindy Waters, players that don't play other than Saric, who played well for them. They added Davis Bertans, their their Saric replacement, um, and then. Victor Oladipo, did you know about that? Yes, of course I know. That's that's part of the thing that's factoring in here. They added, they lost nobody good except Charge is okay, and they added some role players for like nothing. But really, they added Chet Holmgren. They they like added that's, wait, wait, that's their biggest. They thing, added right? Oladipo. They added Bertans, whatever, yeah. and they added yeah. Vasily Micic, also coming over from Europe. Yeah, and they drafted you know like the number ten pick, Casey Wallace, was the pick that they picked. To, in this draft, and they have other players that they drafted as well. They have too many players in their roster right now, technically. Uh, so we'll see what they end up doing as far as... I think maybe we'll know how much they're trying to improve and how much they're not trying to improve based on the players that they pick or the players they ended up end up not picking. Um, but they're better. I, I think we're talking about them as, you know, maybe they're not one of the other teams. Maybe they're actually trying to... I don't know. They're, they're, they're going to make the playoffs, right? Probably. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, I hope so. Personally, this is a team that I'm legitimately rooting for. Um, you know, I, I could see a scenario, though, where they don't make the playoffs for sure. It's going to be really close in that kind of like seeded four through 11 or 12 range in the West. It's it, All of those teams yeah. are going to be so close. Um, but yeah, they should be striving to make the playoffs. If they don't make the playoffs, this season is a failure, given how many years okay. Shea has been there. Answer my question. Where do you rank Shea? I know you hate rankings, but like... How good is Shea really? Extremely good. 
Extremely good. I think is he in all, is you know, this his all NBA season finally? If the yeah, it definitely could be. Make the yeah, playoffs. I could see that. Yeah, I could definitely see that, and that would make him a top whatever six guard. Yeah. in the NBA is that was that what we're saying? Uh huh. Yeah, I think that would be fair well. Okay, actually, to, he to was already in that conversation at the very. I least. actually forgot he was already all NBA this year. He was already yeah, third so. team. Which team was? Well, he? Well, there you go. Can't remember. I don't know about top ten player. I think it'll be interesting. Oh my to see god, Mike! He was the All NBA first team this year, and I totally forgot which one he was on. Well, there you go. I, I think that's pretty well earned when you look at his stats. Um, it's just tough to proclaim someone as a top ten player without seeing them play any. He's like in the far and away the best driver in the NBA by the stats, though. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And he's only twenty four. Yeah. And if they add the defense from Chet. And Jalen Williams was almost rookie of the year. He couldn't he couldn't squeeze it out of Paolo's hands, but like he was competitive. And they've yeah. got Giddy. Mitchich, I don't know what to expect of him, but he was a Euroleague MVP. If he's like he's their, a good player, he's yeah. like their sixth man. I think they're set up really well. I think they're set up really well. I think they could be pretenders this year. I think it's it's really tough to well, first of all, we don't know how good Chet's gonna be or if he'll be healthy the whole season. It's also really tough to know how much these guys improved is it's not you know improvement in the nba it's not this linear thing that's predictable guys make leaps guys make jumps they change the way they play at different times of their career really difficult to to say um there's just so many good like how many teams have we talked about that got worse maybe the timberwolves is that the only one and they have anthony edwards entering his prime and and the nuggets you said as well yeah and the nuggets so like the um, OKC is gonna who they're gonna leapfrog the Trailblazers. Maybe they already did. When it happens, though, let, let me j- let's use a previous example in Thunder franchise history. When it happens, sometimes it is linear. Sometimes it's like you gain ten wins this season and then ten the next season. Or sometimes it happens fast and it's like bam. You but don't that's know, usually because of a trade. You don't or... know what the fuck hit you. But my point is like the two thousand eight oh nine Oklahoma City Thunder already had. Kevin Durant, they had rookie Russell Westbrook. They had, uh, or they had second year Russell Westbrook. They may have already had. No, I think that was the year before they drafted James Harden. But the point is 23 and 59. Next year, bam, 50 and 32. Playoff team. That's true. It's possible. When you've got. If you had a whole season to chat under your belt, I think you could feel a little more. When you have potentially. This is essentially his rookie rookie season. When you have potentially franchise changing talent, it can happen really fast, and the Thunder have that in spades between their top four guys. Those guys being Shea, Giddy, Jalen Williams, and Chet. That is as strong a core as any team in the league. It's very true. um, They're definitely really high up on my list of teams I'm excited to watch. Um, let's speed this up a little bit. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave them in the other group. That's You're fine. gonna put them as a pretender. Put them as a pretender. I, uh, yeah, okay. I believe. Um, Suns are the next team alphabetically. We already covered them. Contenders, I think we can say top tier contenders up there with Denver, Portland Trailblazers. Uh, other. I mean, we just put a pause on them. They lost Drew Eubanks. That's the important <laughs> one to us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and a bunch of other guys. They didn't really add anybody of note. I mean, other than Scoot. Obviously, that's the biggest one. They're going to lose. Uh, this is the team that we know for sure is going to be much worse next year, right? This is the only one that we know for sure, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, we so, I mean, yeah, we don't know that. We don't know that for certain, though. But yeah, but we're, we're pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> I feel more confident in that than anything else. Um, next one: Sacramento Kings. 
Yeah, now you talked about this team, uh, and they they didn't do much either, right? They didn't do much. They re-signed Harrison Barnes, uh, Keon Ellis, that qualifying offer. Alex Len, they re-signed Trey Lyles, and then uh, there was a Sabonis contract renegotiation. Um, I think which added a few years onto his contract as well. Um, none of their other additions were really notable. Uh, Chris Duarte, if, if if you like Chris Duarte, mm, had a terrible Noel season signed. last year in Indiana. Yeah, not very exciting. Um, Nerlens Noel, basically Rashawn Holmes' replacement, signed onto the team, and they lost you know players like Rashawn Holmes, Metu, you know who the Suns signed, and uh, that's really it. This right? is this is the perfect case, I think, of a team where their fans probably think they're contenders, but but they're pretenders. Yeah, for sure, um, I agree. I, I don't yeah. hate the fact that they felt that they had to keep Harrison Barnes, even though they paid him probably far more money than they should have and and actually well actually how much was that contract do you remember off the top of your head uh, i don't i remember, just remember no. it feeling like a lot to me at the time but i can't actually but they kept harrison barnes they kept trey lyles which i don't mind okay never mind this barnes contract not bad i don't know what i remembered he's making 17 18 19 the next three years so they felt well, they kind of a lot but yeah they that felt is the nba now they felt they had to keep barnes he's solid but he is a declining player a declining role player um, where, I guess the question here is where would the improvement come from? And the only answer I can think of, because De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis already played as good as they could possibly play last season, I think. Uh, if Keegan Murray makes a leap, then this team could get better. But it needs, That's to, what it takes, yeah. it needs to be a big leap. One of the young guys. Needs to be, he's their only young guy, really. It needs to be yeah. a big leap from Keegan Murray. Otherwise, I just, I just don't see it. And at a time where the rest of the conference is getting stronger too, I think they lost ground rather than gained. Uh, I'd put them in the pretender tier. I agree. The San Antonio Spurs. Contenders. <laughs> I'm moved. I mean, I'm not notable actually. additions. Uh, Victor Wembanyama, <laughs> Cameron Payne, Chetty Osman, Reggie Bullock. Those are all those are players, good man. Names. Those are real yes. players who could. And this, it's the Rockets thing. So they're not actually a serious team yet. But they're, they significantly improved. They're in the other tier, but they could win 30 games. They could even win 35 games in like a best case scenario, I think. And... Yep. Those guys that you mentioned, campaign, Jetty Osman, uh, the, like the, who was the third one that you said? Reggie, Reggie Bullock. Bullock. Those are not going to be their starters. Maybe one of them will start for them. But like those could be bench players who help them off the those bench. Guys played in the, those are guys who played in the playoffs. They have an actual eight to ten man, <laughs> yeah. ten man rotation now. Because if you think about yeah. it, they still have Devin Vassell. They still have Keldon Johnson. They still have Trey Jones. They still have Zach Collins. You could build. An eight to ten man solid rotation here, absolutely, and everything's going to fall on Wemby's shoulders to to see how far they can really be carried. Obviously, but they're not a joke; they'll win games. I think yeah, they are. They are what they what they are. But I think the what they did as far as adding what will likely be one of the best defenders in the NBA for like 10, 15 years in Wembenyama, if he can stay healthy, that makes a big difference to a team, and I think we'll be able to see that. Uh, added to their team and how fast it clicks offensively for him will be their ceiling. The only real player they lost was Keita Bates-Diop who went to the Suns. Kind of a big loss for them though, not going to lie. Yeah, yeah, but I mean adding other wings in Bullock and Osman, I think they're fine. Sure. Like they're, you know, or even Wembenyama who essentially plays the same position as him. Um, and it'll be fascinating to watch that team. We got one more, I believe. Yes, one more. And that is the Utah Jazz who the Suns just lost a player or just signed a player from them in uh, Udoka. Um, 
<laughs> but they also lost ah, nobody really of note either. Rudy Gay, Damian Jones, yeah, Juan Toscano, Anderson. But they made a big trade, and this happened early. Would you, so would you call this? I don't would even you call this a big trade? I mean, for them, they added John Collins. They saved James Jones from himself in adding John Collins so that James Jones could not fulfill his multi-year quest to trade for John Collins. And I thank he's, the he's Utah Jazz start. for their service. So we're going back, to, and this is kind of what I like about this. We're going back to Laurie Marketing playing the three, right? Yeah, so the, I mean, the fun thing about this team is their front court rocks. It's kind of they've I got kind of like they've it. got Markinen, they've got John Collins, they've got Walker Kessler, who who he was the other guy besides Williams and Paolo who had an awesome rookie season, breakout season, yeah. Um, and they still have Kelly Olynyk too. So is he is he going to be their bench big because he's an awesome bench big? Yeah, like I think he their is. front court rocks. The problem with yeah. them is you've got this question of who starts at point guard, Colin Sexton or Jordan Clarkson, and I think the right answer is no. Like, I think they just, they need anyone else to play point guard for this team. Otherwise, they're not going to go anywhere. But I yeah, like their the, front court. The player they drafted, Taylor Hendricks, is a forward as well, right? Yeah. So, kind of funny, you know, <laughs> just to keep adding to their four. Eventually, they're just going to play five forwards. They're going to be the team that you always wanted. I appreciate the length, but they, they need They a, did also add Keontae Jordan. They need a playmaker. They need a playmaker on that team somewhere. Then they could take a leap. Until then, I would put them in the other territory. I think they're still probably a, a below 500 They got team. better, but they're still a... I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, the the other thing, though, is the Jazz, like they were the surprise team. How many games did they win last year? Th- upper 30s? I think upper 30s. Yeah. They benefited yeah. from half a from season. surprising people? Well, no, they benefited yeah. from half a season of Mike Conley before they traded him. That's a good point. And so I think yeah. the John Collins trade does beef up their front court, but they got significantly worse after dealing Mike Conley and they haven't replaced him with anyone who's a reasonable playmaker. So I, I still just kind of have them in the same tier. I'm not sure if they How got better. They guard the Suns. Um, that's kind of interesting. So they're probably put, do they put Collins on KD? I don't know. Sorry. No, Collins we don't need to think about that now, but that's going to be fascinating. Yeah. I, don't, I think that the I don't idea think we're have of, to worry about that, to be honest, this is something that the, the Cavs did before Laurie Markkinen was traded. And it's just having three massive players on the court at all times. And yes, Collins is not the seven footer that Evan Mobley is. Um, but having a three that's seven feet tall is an advantage defensively, even if they're not extra great defenders size matters on defense in the NBA. And I think they're going to be pretty fascinating. I, I would say they got better. And yeah, they're still part of the others of teams and probably a team that doesn't necessarily want to be great. But it's kind of a nice situation as we just went through all these Western Conference teams. They could still try and still be a pretty high draft pick here, right? Because this conference is pretty loaded now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And uh, I think that's what we're, we're staring down now I, I, going into next season. I don't think a lot of people are super into the what is it the 2024 draft class as as the idea of it being a a very strong draft class but you know on the other hand kind of scouting at this point a lot of scouts are full of shit (laughs) so we never actually know uh and i think the prospect of being able to be like a 35 win team and be have the fifth best lottery odds that's something that could really happen in the nba this year um and we are just we're in the age of parody we should celebrate it okay last thing before we go what teams got worse? We got the Denver Nuggets, yes. who they're still contenders. You said the Timberwolves? The, I mean, they just stayed the same. 
Okay. So, I, and that to me is like going backwards though, right? I mean, <laughs> if everyone else is improving and you stay the same. Well, that's kind of how I, that's kind of how I feel about the Kings too. So the Kings is that the other team, anybody else? That's it, right? Everyone else kind of improved. I mean, the tr- Portland Trailblazers, obviously. Yeah, and the, bl- the Blazers are the big hit. Yeah. It's just a kind of a fascinating thing where I think you can make the case that most teams got better and well, most of them will try to compete. And just to recap here, so I think we finished. Both of us have five contenders, if I've been tracking this correctly, but we differ on one of them. Nuggets. Okay, that's true. Nuggets, Suns, Lakers, Nuggets, Suns. Warriors. You yeah, so put those are the ones we all have. You put the and I have the Grizzlies. You, the Grizzlies, you have the Pelicans. And I put the Pelicans. Clippers fans are going to hate this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> all right, going to be a fascinating season. Now we'll see what ends up happening with uh, the combination of the Portland Trailblazers trading Damian Lillard and the Philadelphia 76ers trading James Harden. We don't know if either are going to happen or if they happen soon, but that will shake up the Western Conference in one way or another. And at that point, I think, Sam, you and I got to revisit how we feel about both of those teams. Uh, Trailblazers maybe won't change much, but the Clippers <laughs> might <laughs> at that point. You got anything else before we go here? No, I think I think that's it for uh, for this week. It's what, what pretty long. It's officially August, folks. If if it's August 1st and you're listening to this, find a way to celebrate optimism season. Remember, we say declared- something optimistic on Twitter. I, or or your social media of of notes. I think, whatever you I use. think I'm gonna celebrate. I'm gonna start just posting every day different classic games from like Suns role players like Tony Delk fifty points, Jamal Crawford fifty one <laughs> points. That's how I'm gonna be celebrating optimism national NBA optimism day. We have a federal holiday in July. <laughs> we have a federal holiday in September. We don't have one yeah, in August. In August. Yeah. So write your congressman and, and ask for it. Ask for them to get it done. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back midweek with the Patreon podcast. If you want to hear that one, patreon.com slash the timeline. Thanks, everyone. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com